It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at afr.net or visit facebook.com slash exploring the word. Exploring the word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Well, today, coming to you from Sylacauga, Alabama, this is a very special edition of Exploring the Word. Bert Harper is at headquarters in Tupelo, Mississippi, but Alex McFarland here. We're coming to you from a very wonderful American Family Association event in, Bert, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Sylacauga, Alabama. You got it. That's how you say it. Even in Alabama, you did good. (laughs) Well, and we just, earlier today, we heard, um, well, we heard some good preaching. We had some wonderful fellowship. We heard some information from Tim Wildman and Wesley Wildman, and uh, it's just been a great day so far. I heard an amazing message by Jeff Shreve, who has also heard on the American Family Radio Network about four things to remember when trouble comes and it's just kind of a revival happening, and I've got the privilege of being with Devin Patrick in the uh, AFA broadcast booth, you might say, here at the AFA retreat in Alabama. Well, it's a beautiful place. We've been there, and I tell you, enjoy your golf cart ride around the area. It's it's uh, enjoyable there, and yes. uh, it's a great place, and we praise the Lord for there. It is Fire Away Friday, so it's the time when we can take all phone calls. We, uh, we do our best to get to as many as we can, but answer them as well as we can. Uh, not to belabor them, but not also to not cut them short. So we try to do that on Fire Away Friday, and we hope that you'll make that call again. Alex is giving it to you. I want to give it to you again. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. And a lot of you got it on speed dial, Alex. That's they, They're Praise ready, the man, aren't they? <laughs> well, they, they are. I've had the privilege today of meeting just a number of listeners from places like Texas and Ohio, New Mexico, Georgia, Louisiana. Several people have said they've been listening for years and years, and they, they've not called in. And I said, well, call in sometime and be a first-time caller. Again, that number is 888-589-8840, Fire Away Friday. And i got to say this, also here, and I can't wait to hear him tomorrow, he's going to be one of the keynote speakers tomorrow is Abraham Hamilton III. Abe Hamilton is one of the keynote speakers at the upcoming Truth for a New Generation Conference, Paris, Tennessee, April 21 through 23. It's coming up quickly. Also, keynote speaker Bert Harper and Will and Mickey Addison, and I'll be there. Love Worth Finding Ministries is helping promote it. And the, uh, the Convention Visitors Bureau, the Chamber of Commerce of Paris, Tennessee, this is not too far from Nashville. I want to say what a joy we have had working with all these great people. And, of course, two very special pastor friends, big, big champions for AFA is Steve Gallimore and Carlton Gerald, both of Tennessee Valley Community Church. So, folks, the theme of the Truth for New Generation Conference is Truth Matters. And it really does. Truth matters. Confronting the issues that will shape your future. You don't want to miss this event. It's going to be inspiring. It's going to be equipping and helpful. And so you can go to alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com, and sign up for the upcoming Truth for a New Generation National Biblical Worldview and Apologetics Conference coming to Paris, Tennessee, April 21 through 23. We have it on our calendar. We hope you'll put it on your calendar, and we'll see you there. Well, we've got people that are already calling in. They're lining up for their questions, so let's go. And the first call today is Tyler in Iowa. Welcome, Tyler. How's it going? Doing good. First-time caller, I understand. Yep, first-time caller. Way to go, man. Thank you for calling. Got a question for you. I go to a Lutheran church here in town and we uh, say the apostles creed and halfway through the apostles creed it says we believe in the holy catholic church why why does it say that okay 
Uh, wow. Alex, universal uh, or Roman Catholic. Yeah. It doesn't say Roman Catholic, does it? No, it doesn't. You know, I'm so glad you bring this up because the Apostles' Creed is really about sixteen to 1,800 years old, and it is one of the three great statements of belief that all of Christianity agrees on, the Nicene Creed, the Creed of Athanasius, and the Apostles' Creed. And I would encourage people to read that. In fact, we we um, very often will teach on the Apostles' Creed, but there is a line that says, I believe in the Holy Ghost, which nobody has a problem with that, I hope, the Holy Catholic Church. Now, it's not the Roman Catholic Church, but it really means, uh, and the word Catholic means universal. In other words, the body of believers worldwide, all who put their faith in Jesus. And so I know to to people that are raised Protestants, that's a little bit of a stumbling block, but it really means the universal church, not the Roman Catholic Church. And, and again, we need to understand that. When I was in college at Blue Mountain College, and even then in seminary, uh, we would talk about the church, the, the you can call it the universal church and the local church. So when you read in the New Testament, in, in the Gospels, or you read in Paul's writings or Peter's writings, you find both and, and sometimes it's hard to distinguish which ones. But each one of the letters that Paul wrote was wrote, written to an individual church, but it can be applied to the Catholic, what I mean by that, universal church, those that are apart and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. So, Tyler, thank you for calling, brother, and we appreciate you so much. Let's mm. let's go to Travis. Travis in Kentucky, another first-time caller. Travis, welcome, man. Hey, guys. Thank you for uh, taking my call. It, it's, uh, it's, a bless, it's a blessing to be here and uh, be talking with you guys. Well, thank you for calling, man. Um, my question is, if you could just show me, um, biblically, like what, what are we supposed to do in the situation we're in, in our country, um, with the way things are going, um, and just, you know, um, our, our freedoms are being stripped away. Um, you know, the things with, um, just our, our, our freedom of religion, uh, you could, you know, just everything that's going on, like what? What biblically, like, can you tell me um, sh- that we should be doing? I know we should be praying, and I know we should be standing up for truth, but is there anything else, I guess, that we should be doing according to the Word of God? And I appreciate you all taking my question. Thank you, Travis, for calling. Let me make one—I I, want to make this statement. I've been thinking about this for a while, Alex. In America, because we have experienced what was given to us by our founding fathers— by God. I believe it with all my heart. God did it through those men who would write the Declaration of Independence, would would pen the Constitution, add the first ten amendments. Uh, what was given to us is an amazing thing that what Abraham Lincoln would say at the Gettysburg Address, that this gift from God would not perish from the earth. Government uh, for the people and, and by the people. You know, and and are we what steps? Now, a lot of other folks that's lived in other countries has never had what we have had. And mm. and so it's difficult for them to understand what we're saying, to do our best. And Ben Franklin said this is what, he, what God has given us. If we can keep it, uh, a republic, a uh, constitutional republic, if we can keep it. Alex, uh, I know we vote. I know we pray. I think we can run for office. I think we can share for others. I think we can make our position known, uh, and we better do those for sure, right? Amen, amen. Uh, and everything Bert Harper has said is true. I mean, we are to stay informed. We're to intercede and pray. But two very key chapters that I think um, really do kind of illustrate in a similar way to where our country is, one would be First Timothy 4, and the other would be Second Timothy three, and you know First Timothy four talks about you know that um, in the last days there's going to be all this false teaching. So what do we do? First Timothy four seven refuse profane and old wives' tales. All right. So we're to stand against error, but we are to stand for truth. Now go to Second Timothy three. Perilous times will come. All this sin and morality. So what do we do? 
verse 14 and following, we continue in the things that we have learned. We are to stay mature in the faith, stay equipped and furnished. Then uh, 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, uh, rebuke and exhort. So what we're to do, we're to stand against that which is false. We're to stand for that which is true. And Bert, uh, let me say it this way, live a life of truth promotion. And, you know, obviously we're, we're praying, we're, we're living and walking in the Holy Spirit, we're growing. But I got to say, part of the church's role, and history really bears this out, we are to proclaim truth even when it appears nobody's listening, because people really are listening. And suddenly comes a tipping point where decades, maybe even centuries, of Christians serving under the radar, suddenly it coalesces and the world is changed. That's what happened in the American Revolution. I really think that's what's happening now. Bert, I want to say this, I want your response. What the American Family Association does, what people like James Dobson are doing, Chuck Colson, it really began nearly five decades ago, didn't it? It really did. Let me share two things that went before us. The education system, the national education system, they started promoting these things that we're dealing with that are really anti-God and entertainment. Those two, those two elements drive so much. And at one point in time, Christians really, uh, when you talk about entertainment, we're basically talking about the arts. We're talking about that that was sculptures, that which was uh, on painting, you know. Uh, Christians did look at all the pictures of Christ, the sculptures of David and, and so many others, and education. I mean, education started in America because of churches. And uh, I've heard people say, well, the public education. Well, no, first was home education. That was the first line of education. Then the churches did it. Even in Jesus' day, the synagogues were a part of that. And then public education was something. Now, why was public education started in America? If you read the Founding Fathers, it was so they could read mainly two big things. The Constitution, so they could know that for themselves and not have somebody else misread it to them, and the Bible. And those things really have driven, they've drifted away from that, and that's caused, I'm going to say a word of, it's chaos in our country. Mm. So, Alex, uh, I appreciate Travis making this call. That's a great question. Yeah. It was a great question. Folks, we've got a brief break. Exploring the Word is going to come back after this word from our partners. Uh, Stay with us, and uh, we're going to take more calls on Fire Away Friday. Don't go away. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York. She is the state's junior senator and a former member of the U.S. House of Representatives. Hebrews 13.16 reminds us of the conduct we should seek in our leaders. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Senator Kirsten Gillibrand as she represents the people of New York. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Ask most Christians why they don't share their faith, and they'll tell you they lack the courage. But Dr. Tony Evans says it's more often about the lack of something else. He'll tell us what it is today as we spend two minutes with Tony. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us, 1 John 4, 19. The love of Christ has to do with the fact that we should seek to please him because of what he did for us, which means if you don't know what he did or if you don't remember what he did or if you fail to appreciate what he did, his love won't control you. Or to put it another way, the more in love you are, the more you'll talk about it. The less in love you are, the less you'll talk about it. Show me a person who shares Christ regularly, I'll show you a person who's in love. 
You know when a person's in love, don't you? They show you pictures you don't want to see. Huh? Talk about a person you don't know, have no interest in knowing. They be sharing stuff, talking and talking and talking. Quiet people get loud when they get in love, right? Why? Because love will always dominate conversation. So you know what our lack of sharing Christ means? Lack of love. Paul says, this love is controlling me. So the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you'll talk about him. So pursuing a relationship, pursuing a passion, pursuing an intimacy will automatically increase evangelism. Learn more about what it takes to develop a close and vibrant relationship with the Lord. Check out Tony's CD series, Pursuing Christ, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Matthew 19, verse 14. American Family Radio. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Everybody here looking for revival in our own hearts and across the land. Everybody looking for a revival. Lift up your voice and say man. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. That number that we have and we want you to call, we got lines open, is 888 589-8840. So while we're waiting for your call, we're going to go to Stephanie, who has called in from Texas. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi. Hey, thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, first-time caller. I listen to you guys every day, so God bless you, and thank you for your ministry. Um, I have a question. Um, I, I'm Baptist. I go to Baptist church. But recently, I, went, I was a guest at a... Uh, church and um, when I first came in it was I mean the people seemed like they were on fire for Christ you know it was just really overwhelming and wonderful uh, praising was awesome but at the end um, I went up front because I said anyone needs prayers to come up front so I went up front and instead of praying with me they pushed my forehead back and kind of like forced me down back on my back and kind of like to me it seemed like they were gibbering like they trying to appear as though they were speaking in tongues and I was always taught that if someone is filled with the Holy Ghost and speaks tongues that someone would be there to interpret what they're saying I just wanted to, to know how you tell about that and what you think. Well, let me just tell you, far as what the Bible does say, even in the church at Corinth, uh, when you look at the book of Acts, you definitely see uh, the tongues speaking in languages that people understood on the day of Pentecost. But in the book of Corinthians, there seems to be some uh, some other added to that. But then what Paul would say, make sure there's an interpreter. So you are correct in that. Now, we have people who are listening to us, and they're part of movements where that is not the case. We're not trying. But biblically, uh, Stephanie, you're in good shape. Far as them pushing you backward, uh, they that's, uh, listen, I uh, there's nothing wrong with laying a hand on the shoulder and praying for someone, but forcing someone backward. Uh, you know, that's, uh, Alex, uh, is that going a little bit strenuous with that? What do you think? God bless you, and welcome to the um, interesting world of the body of Christ. <laughs> I love that, Alex. That was sharp, brother. It is. Aren't we something different? Different people, aren't we? You know, let me let me say. Here's the thing, because all right, Christians are those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus to be saved, and one of the I think fascinating things about the church the body of believers worldwide. The church comes in so many, you know, it's almost like the old ice cream shop, you know, 31 flavors. But what's common to all is that we've put our faith in Jesus, First uh, John 5, 1. Now, with that, let me say this. Oftentimes, a visitation from God 
becomes a ritual in the church. Even, you know, we Baptist. Baptist, it's almost just, you know, uh, you know, expected that you'll have an altar call. And an altar call can be fine, uh, but sometimes it can become just a formality, right? Now, I know that there have been great visitations from God and great revivals where people, there's a word for it, slain in the spirit. But then there are times when it just becomes like, um, if if you aren't slain in the spirit, we'll do it for you. We'll push you backwards, you know. Now, uh, and I, I want to say this. I want to preemptively apologize if I if I'm speaking a little too frankly. Please forgive me. But Bert, I, I've seen it in a high church that's very formal, uh, free. Um, and I, one time I was with a Quaker group, and I was asked to. Um, you know, do a youth weekend for this national gathering of Quakers. And I noticed in every service, they would open up and ask for a word from God. And they said, you know, we let the Spirit freely move. And and it, this thought went through my mind, the ritual of spontaneity. Uh, now, <laughs> here's my point, sister. Gotcha. Um, y- your, your heart is with Jesus Christ. You want to have the Holy Spirit move. Um, a lot of times churches and denominations will spend years and years going through the motions, very often reenacting a great visitation from God in times past, and God in his mercy shows up again. But um, let me just say, Bert, I, I, I really don't have anything profound to say other than, you know, uh, the move of the Holy Spirit is real. Uh, tongues are real, but like you said from the New Testament, there should be an interpreter. Um, people falling out. I, I mean, I have seen people fall down weeping and so overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord, it just, it really almost swept them off their feet. Bert, I just try to make sure, there's, I'll put it this way and I'll hush, there's only one person's heart in the worship service that I can speak authoritatively about, and that's Alex. Amen. And whenever, no matter where I am with the body of Christ in all of its manifestations, I just try to make sure that in my heart I'm worshiping Jesus and I'm looking unto Jesus for all of my needs. Is that a fair that's way to... That's fair. That's fair. Stephanie, uh, we hope that helps. We did our best to stay biblical with that. And, and say to you, you have a right, but at the same time, uh, I refuse to put God in a box, Alex. I know in my past I've done that. I restricted him into my little box that I had looked and interpreted. And I, I, let me just say this. They know around here at AFR that I call myself a Baptocostal. I'm, I'm, I am kind of energetic. I am uh, passionate about that. But listen, the freedom that we have in Christ uh, is there. Uh, but to force tradition uh, on something to make it uh, like it was at, at one point in time uh, is, is not the best way to do it. I'll put it that way. So we thank you, Stephanie. Hope that helps. And Alex and I do hope we did our best to be as honest but as loving as we could. And I hope it came across that way. Let's go to Louisiana. And it's Nancy. Welcome, Nancy. Hi, um, thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm question is like uh, when I was reading Exodus, I think around 24, it mentioned that there was a screen someplace in the um, tabernacle or something like that. And I was like, hmm, interesting, a screen. And I could see why they would need it for the blood going around, the flies were popping in and uh, everything else. So can you tell me about the screen in the tabernacle? Okay, Alex, is she talking about the veil or a screen? Do you know you got that? You know, uh, I was, you know, and I'm looking at Exodus 24. I'm thinking about where perhaps when, when Moses would go there to the uh, Ark of the Covenant to offer the blood sacrifice, and later when, when a permanent temple was built, there was a, a very, very thick curtain that was raised up that, um, you know, really— one of the beautiful things about the resurrection of Christ is that now there is no there is no partition that only the priest can go behind every believer. It's a kingdom of priest, priesthood of the believer. So, Bert, the only thing I can think about about that wilderness tabernacle was that 
that screen prefigured the curtain that would sequester off the Holy of Holies. Yeah, and what you had, Nancy, you had the holy place, and it was larger, but you had a very special place called the most holy place or the Holy of Holies. And that's where the veil was or the screen was, and it just, it just shows the separateness of God, but yet him coming to us. Uh, he is completely holy, uh, beyond doubt, and I think that may be the one that you're talking about. Alex, I think you're right, brother. Okay, mm-hmm. Nancy, thank you for that great, great call. Next, we want to go to North Carolina, a great state. Travis, welcome, Travis. Hey, how how's it going? Doing well. Um, I just I just came home from prison Monday, man, and while I was gone, I've been listening to y'all, and y'all helped me so much get back to my faith. Praise hey, the Lord. God bless Amen. you, Amen. I'm glad you're out, brother, and I'm glad you're still listening. Amen? Yeah. Sounds like it wasn't yes, just sir. what uh, we call jailhouse religion. Sounds like you're calling it. God must have really done something for you, brother. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was raised in church, and I just, you know, I got to, I'm a really analytical person. I love science and physics and, and all this stuff, and, I mean, I got so bad strung out on drugs and stuff like that, and one day I just looked at the world, and I'm like, all this bad stuff, and then I just realized I I just didn't believe it anymore. People walking on water and raising, I just, I couldn't go for it. And I <laughs> I was in Raleigh Central Prison in what we call the dungeon in lockup right down from death mm-hmm. row, and I I like talk shows, and I was flipping through from my political shows on a commercial, and I was scrolled down, and I heard this guy talking, but he was, it was about God, but he was arguing with somebody, and I'm like, well, that's interesting. And there was a question that had been in my mind forever, like maybe if somebody would answer this question, it, w- it wouldn't make me a Christian, but it would at least open the door to give me opportunity to try to believe again. And the very next caller that called on there, I was on Matt Slick Live, and the very next caller that called in asked the question that had been in my mind. I looked at my radio like it had sprouted ears. I was like, huh? Wow. And he he answered the question, and it just made sense. And I kept listening, and he just answered. And Matt is awesome. I've been talking to him just about every day since I've been out. And um, there's and I called up yesterday with him, and I disagreed with something with him. And he he loved it. He liked when people disagree with him. It was about amillennialism. And um, so I I really wanted to get a second take on this thing with limited atonement, because I I understand that. The salvation is for the people who will accept and believe. And I understand God's sovereign will and predestination and election, but I can't, I just can't figure out this limited thing. It's it's only, the way I understood was people will, God will not judge people for their sin because he judged Christ for our sins, but not accepting that forgiveness, not accepting that belief is a form of sin, but it's separation, and that's what that's for, and I just can't, Amen, Travis. I can't figure it out, I just said it. Well, Travis, we want to say praise the Lord, brother, for stay in the Word, stay with the Word, and uh, Alex, limited atonement, it, uh, it's limited to those who trust the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, we know that, right? Right, right. And and first of all, I want to say, may God bless you, and thank you for listening. I know Matt Slick. He is a great thinker, a great Christian leader, and I feel very humbled that you would listen to us, brother. And and before we go, I, I do want to pray for you now that you're out. Um, limited atonement, as it is very often talked about, means that when Christ died on the cross, it was only for the elect, the elect being those who would be saved. Sometimes it's called particular atonement. But, Bert, you know, when the Bible says that Christ gave his life for the sins of the whole world, I really do believe uh, Jesus' death on the cross was for all of the sins of humanity. Now, we make that salvation real in our life when we repent and believe, but um, I, I really believe in Christ's atonement being unlimited uh, for for a lot of reasons, not the least of which are, you know, so many scriptures that says, you know, for God so loved the world, not just the elect, but the whole wide world. But here's the thing, because Christ's righteousness is beyond measure, infinite, by definition, his, now, uh, iniquity is limited, it's big, it's bad, a lot of, lot of people, a lot of sin, but just by definition of who God is, his righteousness is infinite, so I, I think by definition his 
his atoning for sin is unlimited. Bert, does that make sense? I agree. I agree. And it is available to everyone, but it happens to those who put their trust in him. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 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 not predetermined. Uh, listen, I really believe that would be fatalism. Doctor Adrian Rogers said that would be fatalism. You know, and uh, it's available to all. And uh, so, Travis, we hope that helps you. Right, everybody that else, uh, Travis has just recently been released uh, from prison. We're excited about that. Let's pray for Travis. It's got to be. Uh, we're praying everything will line up for you, Travis. Get yes. close to a. A, a Bible-believing church, do your best to come a part of a small group of accountability. And, brother, we're going to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I thank you for Travis. I thank you for the victory that has been won while he was there in prison. While he was in prison, incarcerated, he was set free in you. And, Father, may that freedom in you be one of service and ministry to others. Help him stay with you. And, Father, put people around him that would encourage him and help him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Travis. Thank you so much. Let's go to Texas and talk to Porphy. Porphy, welcome. Yes, sir. I have a question for either one of you. Uh, But first a comment. Bert, I like you on the Trivia Friday program. You bring excitement to it. I wish you'd spend more time there. <laughs> well, thank you, brother. I was on. I enjoy it. But thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. The question is, I, I live in South Texas, and I go to a full gospel church. I went to visit my brother and sister-in-law up way up north in North Texas, about an eight-hour drive. And uh, she invited me a Sunday to go to her church. So I did. My brother doesn't go to church. And she told me when we were there that it was communion day and that because I wasn't a member of her church, I couldn't have communion. Communion. So I just sat there like little Jack Horner and and yeah. that was it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Alex, don't have a lot of time. Go ahead. Respond as soon as well, you Well, there, there's really kind of three ways to look at uh, the Lord's table or communion. Open communion, close communion, or closed communion. And open communion is any believer, and that's whenever I lead the Lord's table, Bert, I do that. If you're a born-again believer, open. Then close communion uh, is, you know, believers maybe of a particular camp, and then closed, only members of our church. Different churches do it different ways, don't they, Bert? Yeah, and I would say this, don't feel put off. I've been there, uh, and I know that, and so... Don't put Phil off. Stay close to the Lord. We'll be back with more of Exploring the Word right after the break. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. Target still refuses to change their policy that gives men who identify as women open access to women's restrooms and changing rooms. This keeps the doors open for predators to exploit this policy for evil, keeping women and girls at risk of becoming victims. We believe Target will stop the insanity if there's enough pressure. If you haven't signed the Boycott Pledge, will you sign it today at afa.net forward slash Target? And don't forget to ask everyone you can think of to sign it and share. afa.net forward slash Target. Let's be real. Retirement is expensive and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great if the cost of your health care could go down? Well, MediShare 65 plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare Parts A and B looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month. No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that will pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. 
Call now. You can learn more about MetaShare 65+. Here's the number, 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE, 833-45-BIBLE. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. From California to Idaho to Maine, state lawmakers are working to pass laws that prohibit secreted, socialized sex transitions of children at America's public schools. All across the country, parents are waking up to nightmares in which a school guidance counselor, a teacher, or in some cases, an administrator has developed rapport with their child and encouraged them to live as their true selves at school. And the parents had no idea this was happening. With the prevalence of this type of deception, please cover your children. God entrusted them to you, not the government or this wicked culture. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Oh, we're having a good time in the Word of God on today's edition of Fireway Friday. Bert Harper, Alex McFarlane, the American Family Radio Network. The number, 888-589-8840. Your calls and questions. Bert, where do we go next? Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Carol. Carol, welcome. Hello, my dear brothers. I am so glad to speak with you all today. Well, you're for, are you a first time? long-time listener. Okay. I am a first-time caller, yes. Man, I'm a long-time listener. Yeah. Amen. Um, so I want to thank you guys for always remaining true to Scripture, and uh, it's so wonderful to be able to, to recommend you guys and uh, your faithfulness to Scripture when I have someone that asks me a question. So I just want to thank you for that. But my question Bless. today, after Joseph rose to power in Egypt, why do you think he didn't just go right back then to his dad and to his family and say, hey, Dad, I'm alive? Um, I just always wondered why all that time went by. And they had to come and find him rather than him and go and let his dad know he was alive. Okay. Well, thank you, Carol. I, I honestly has never thought of that. I know he had a very important position leaving as long as that would take Alex. I'm not so sure uh, with all the difficulties of seven lean years, seven, you know, years, uh, seven good years, seven lean years. I'm not sure he had a lot of time to get away. Do you know what I mean? Uh, well, yeah, and you know what's interesting in Genesis forty four nineteen, where you know they all come, and he asks, uh, "Do you have a father or a brother?" Uh, but I really do think deep in the service of Pharaoh, leading Egypt, um, he probably couldn't. The other thing is, uh, you know, the last time he saw his brothers, they tried to kill him, and you know, even though Joseph was powerful, and you know, I love the story of Joseph and. I've often talked about how, like in uh, uh, Genesis 45-3, when he reveals his identity to his brothers, that is one of the most moving, most dramatic scenarios in not only in the Word of God, I think in all of literature, um, when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. But, um, you know, between his responsibilities leading Egypt, the fact that his brothers... Uh, had tried to kill him, and then the sovereignty of God that the brothers come and they genuflect before him and they bow just as he has ha- he remembered in his dreams. Do you remember that? That's right. And so uh, I, I want to tell you, I've said this many times about the Joseph story, Shakespeare wishes he could have written something <laughs> this good, uh, and amen. this is true. It is, and he is quite a hero. I know you have Abraham. I know you have uh, uh, Moses and David, the three. I mean, they're giants beyond measure. But I just want to tell you, Joseph is amazing. And uh, Alex, I agree with you. Uh, Thank you so much for that good call, Carol. Let's go to Angela in Virginia. Welcome. Hello. Yes. Thank you for calling, Angela. 
Thank you. I do want to say what a beautiful call that was from our brother Travis. That was just, I'm just praising God for his story and the way that, that God worked in his life. That was just, that'll stay with me for a while and I'll be praying for him. Um, my question is about the parable of the 10 virgins. And um, in light of the fact that the five virgins who were not prepared with oil in their lamp, they went and they purchased something and came back, but clearly their oil was different than the oil that the first five virgins had. And I wondered, what does the oil represent? Alex, does oil usually represents the Holy Spirit, the anointing with oil, the whole idea. Yes. Does it in Matthew 24? I've always thought that the thing they went to purchase was, you might say it almost represents false religion or something contrived because, you know, salvation is a free gift. And cannot the, be purchased, right? That's right. Okay. And the indwelling Holy Spirit cannot be bought for money. So it was something of human effort that was less than the genuine presence of the living God in their life. It really was, Angela. And what what it does, and I, Alex and I, we get a lot of questions about future eschatology. And I understand these days. I wonder. I, I look and I see. I just know in the last days it shall be difficult. And it is that way. And it's always been difficult. It, but it's always more, been more difficult in certain places. But it seems, Alex, and uh, just a real quick comment, I, it seems since we have mass communication that we do these days, it is getting more difficult in more and more places. Uh, sounds like the possibility of his return could be imminent. Well, we know it's imminent, but short short time. Yeah. I, yeah. And, I, you know, I read about uh, Matthew 24, 29 through 31, and, of course, the fig tree budding. Um, I, I, this just keeps reverberating through my heart. Look up for your redemption draweth nigh. And I want to quote something I've said. We're not on the planning committee. We're on the welcoming committee. So <laughs> Amen. Uh, that's, Good one. that's his business, but I want to be ready and welcome him. Let's go to Ohio and talk to Victoria. Welcome, Victoria. Hi, thank you. Um, I am so excited to talk to you guys, but Travis, I heard his story and um, his question. It just kind of brought a picture to mind for me, and it was a blank check. Jesus has written a blank check for our lives, and he's paid the price. But if you choose not to accept that blank check or uh, you know of the blank check or uh, you just choose not to cash in on it, it's not going to be cashed because it's your check. Wow. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the only way that we get to cash in on that atonement is when we do it. Amen. Alex, can anybody, yeah, Victoria, stay on line. Alex, can anybody do it for us? No, only Jesus. We have to choose uh, Jesus ourselves. But I want to say this, First um, John 2, 2, and, and here's the thing about whosoever will may come, and here's the thing about the atonement on Calvary's cross is enough for the sin of the whole world. Jesus is the propitiation, that means the turning away of wrath for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. First John 2.2. 2. Bert, that's pretty big, isn't it? Uh, I don't want to put a limit on it. <laughs> I don't mean to be mean toward that, but amen. amen. Victoria, thank you for calling in, and we appreciate Travis's testimony has blessed a lot of people today, and you're one of, me, one of them, as Alex and I are. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Jack. Welcome, Jack. Hello, guys. Thank you for taking my calls. I appreciate your program. Well, thank you, brother. I only get to listen to the last 20 minutes or so on the way home from work, but here's my question. Uh, for those that are not born again, whether they choose, they haven't made that choice yet, or they believe in a faith that doesn't believe that, does God hear their prayers? Like you and I pray to God as born-again Christians for something, does God hear those prayers? Great question. It's a question mm. that's been asked many years ago. Uh, Alex, if I, I am going to be technical on this. If you mean if God hears it, he absolutely does. He yes. hears those words. But there is a qualifier, and that is he. those of us who are born again and have that relationship with him, 
He responds. Now, he can respond by yes, no, or not now. But even for those that are not saved, I've seen seen God seemingly intervene there, Alex. Have you? Yeah, because, and and I agree with you. I mean, by virtue of his omniscience, God knows everything. Of course, God hears. Now, he's not obligated to respond, but very, very often he does. And I've, I've had lots of people talk about answered prayer before they were born again, and they begin to realize that God was very tangible and God was very real. Bert, I, I well recall probably 35 years ago a very famous Christian, we won't go into this now, but he said God doesn't hear the prayers of certain unsaved people. No, I, I think God, because here, here's what God is doing. God is doing everything possible to get us born again short of overriding our free will. God doesn't override our free will. And, and God knows everything. He knows a, a word before it's on our tongue. He knows a, a motive in our heart that's unseen to the rest of the world. So I think God can, can answer any prayer he wants to. He does sometimes. And I think when God does very visibly act in the life of unsaved people, it's, it's probably trying to get them to a point where they acknowledge him and without having overridden their free will, he's wooing them to himself such that they would trust in him and be born again. Some of the miracles that Jesus did, and we're going through the book of Mark, uh, we find Jesus stopping to help people. And sometimes we don't know if faith in him was was registered or not. We find him doing the great, when he fed the 5,000 and the 4,000, they had to be no doubt that some of those people were not followers of Christ, true followers of Christ with that many. That's that's just me taking an evaluation. I wasn't there, don't know their hearts. But Alex, they were hungry. I bet they said, man, we need something to eat. Whether they stopped and said, oh, God, help us, I don't know. But God had mercy on them anyway, didn't he? His mercy comes through, doesn't it? It, it absolutely does. God is so merciful to us. And the number, by the way, if you, we still have time for another question or so, 888-589-8840. Okay, well, let's go to Tom in Ohio. Welcome, Tom. Well, hey, good afternoon, guys. I love listening to you. I've tried for months to get in, and I finally made it. Well, man, way to work, Tom. Glad you glad you did. Well, uh, being as the scholars you guys are, I'm sure you can find this. I don't know where I read it in the Bible, but there is a part where the scribes ask Jesus about if a lady uh, loses her first husband and then she marries his brother, he dies, and then so on and so forth. They ask Jesus, whose wife will she be in heaven? He gives an answer, but I do not understand it. Okay, Alex, hadn't got a lot of time. You go ahead. Yeah, and do you know what? I am so sorry. I can't call that reference off the top of my head. But they were trying to trick him. And see, they were Sadducees that don't believe in the resurrection, as if, you know, they would stump him. And Jesus said, you do err. In other words, you you commit a, a fallacy in your reasoning. You know the old, the old saying, they're so sad, you see, because they don't believe in life after death. So it was a trick question, wasn't it? It really was a quick question, trick question. But let me say this: uh, what he re- reminded us, in heaven, uh, those relationships, uh, although we know they were relationships, we even have a higher relationship. Alex, let me share this with you. Matthew twenty-two twenty-eight. I uh, knew Devin you Patrick. would find it, man. Listen, Devin I, found it. Okay, I had the privilege of baptizing my. Mine and Jan's three sons, Nathan, Matthew, and Micah. And what a privilege right. it was. And uh, they were they'd been saved. But when I baptized them, I, I said, you literally are my son. But now you are my brother in Christ mm. Jesus. And listen, the husband and wife relationship, awesome beyond measure. But the relationship that two believers have in heaven is the word supersede, would that be a good word, supersedes yeah. those relationships down here, Alex? It supersedes, eclipses, yeah. you know, it, it's going to be a perfect environment of love without any sort of sin or motive or leverage. 
it, it'll be a, a place of just unobstructed bliss and joy, won't it? It really will. Thank you, Tom. Let's go to North Carolina and talk to Robert. Welcome, Robert. Yeah, hello, gentlemen. Thank you for calling. I have a question. Yeah, this is my first time calling. I listen to you often, but I got a chance to call today, and I'm glad you're taking my call. I have a question about uh, John 3, 8, where Jesus talks about the wind blows where it wishes, and and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it's from or where it goes. And so is, he says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So uh, what about this wind blowing thing going on here? Alex, mm. uh, this is a pretty good, I don't mean to use this word, play on words in the Greek language, isn't it? It's pretty neat. It, it really is. Yeah. You know, the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, it's like the wind. We can't see the wind, but we can see the effect of the wind. And we see the effect of the Spirit of God drawing people. Bert, I've heard testimonies of people who got saved as a little child. My former boss, uh, he says this, he said it many times, James Dobson was four when he accepted Christ. And you think, can a four-year-old understand that? Yeah, he did. Then somebody else is a grown-up. So, Bert, the beautiful thing about the work of the Holy Spirit, just like the wind, who can see the wind? Who can catch the wind? Nobody can catch the wind. Nobody can really predict how the Holy Spirit is going to move. But the work that the Holy Spirit does, Jesus said it, that when he would be lifted up, the Spirit of God would draw men to him. And so we can definitely see the the fruit of that ministry of the Holy Spirit, can't we? We can. And Robert, read the day of Pentecost as as mighty rushing wind and you got those pneumos, the wind, it's, uh, it's root words in Greek. Listen, we're not going to be able to take phone calls, but I, I read what Ted said. Here it is, Alex. When is the Antichrist coming? Is he coming before the tribulation, or will he be revealed during the tribulation? Um, I sincerely believe that the Antichrist, the man of sin, will be revealed during the tribulation. Um <laughs> Oh, Jack Van Impe used to say, I'm not looking for the undertaker, but the upper taker. And, uh, but he might be alive on the planet right now, right now, although nobody would know. And Gamalia from North Carolina asked this, what type of institution should receive our tithes and offerings? Let me just share with you, local church and then ministries that do the work of God. Alex, those two. Amen. Well said. I agree as well. Thank you for all these calls. Folks, it's been a great day on Exploring the Word. We give God all the praise and glory. Be in church Sunday, folks. Maybe you can take somebody with you to church, get them under the sound of the gospel. In the meantime, please know how deeply grateful we are that you would listen. Tell somebody about the American Family Association. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.